Yeah, it is. It's, it's such a privilege to stand here again this morning. And from the time that I arrived here this morning, um, the Lord's been speaking to me. Um, in, our, in our prayer, through the, the worship, it all absolutely just fits into um, the word that I have this morning. And this morning, while I was praying before I came to church, um, I read the last section and I thought, I, there's something missing still. And while I was sitting here and while we were worshiping, um, it, it just came to me. Um, and there's so many things. If I had a, a pen here, I would have made an extra sermon this morning. Um, but it is, it's absolutely um, a blessing to be here. And yeah, I hope you guys um, feel the same about the word this morning that I did when, when I was preparing it. So um, I'm going to say hello to the guys online that's watching. Um, you'll be watching this on Wednesday. But yeah, welcome. I hope you enjoy it. So, this morning, the, the title is, When God Allows Us to Be Hurt. And um, I, I was sitting with this, this title for a while, because I, I, had, a, I had a few titles that it, it could have been. And yeah, we settled on, When God Allows Us to Be Hurt. And that's, that's, a, that's a pretty pretty hard thing to think about. Um, and I'm pretty sure if, if I had to ask this morning by a show of hands who's been hurt before, I don't think there'd be a single hand that, that doesn't get raised. And I'm pretty sure if I asked who's been hurt by a loved one, somebody that they trusted, a church, a pastor, I'm pretty sure most of us can put our hands up as well. I can. And I can, by that same token, probably say that I've probably hurt a few people in church by things that I've done or said, or even the pastor. So it is, it's, it is something that is part of life. It happens. We are going to get hurt, and we are going to hurt people as we go. But then you start, you ask that question, why does God allow us to get hurt? And that is a, that's a pretty deep question. And... I don't profess to have all the answers, but I'd like to share a little bit with you this morning. So I'm, I'm sure we all have prayers where we ask the Lord something, and um, we don't always get an answer. We, we don't always get the answer we want. And there's, there's three possibilities. There's a yes, there's a no, and then there's silence, or maybe later. And, and how, do we, how do we deal with that? We, we sometimes we think, but Lord, just answer my prayer now. Just, just give me an answer. And if I had to use an example, if Larika would ask me for a vehicle today, would I be a good father if I give her a vehicle today? I, yes, yes, of course. Of course, everybody thinks... By the, when you look at it at first, you think, oh, that, that's a great idea. She can learn to drive and... But the real answer is no. If I had to give her a vehicle today, chances are she'd hurt herself, she could kill herself, or she could hurt somebody else. So sometimes the answer is a maybe, or a maybe later. It's not always a defined yes and no. But now, how does that, how does that work with 
Why does God allow me to get hurt? And I want to go to the scripture this morning. And um, it's Genesis 37 verse 1 to 8. So, Jacob lived in the land where his father stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the son of Bilah and sons of Zilpha, Zilpa, um, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of, the, of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to the dream I had. We were binding sheaves, sheaves of grain, out of the field when suddenly my sheave rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of this dream that he had. So that's, if you like, that is a, that's a word over Joseph's life. It's a, it's a prophecy. It's, it's something that the Lord promised to him or revealed to him that's going to be in his life and um, I think we we all know the story as it goes Joseph had another dream and in this dream the sun and the moon also with the stars bowed down in front of him so that's even that's even a, a, a bigger confirmation to what is going to happen in his life and if if we think back on verse 2, Joseph was only 17. So he was, he was very young when this was revealed to him. And um, I think it, I, I, at the age of 17, I think we all, we're all a little bit arrogant and we think we know everything and we know better than everybody else. So I'm, I'm pretty sure he was very confident when he went and told his older brothers, you know what, you guys are going to be bowing down to me. And I think we know... We know the story as it continues. His brothers, when he came to them, they, they planned his demise. They wanted to kill him. And eventually they ended up throwing him into a pit. And from the pit, he was sold into slavery. And from there, he was accused of rape. And he ended up in jail. And then he was forgotten in jail. So it wasn't a smooth ride from there. And, and this morning when, when we were singing our songs, so many times the word storm came through. And God will take us through the storms. He did not take the storm away. He took us through the storms. And that's, that's what was talking to me this morning is we, we had to go through the storm. Um, it, it wasn't just all easy going. Which brings me to my first point. So if you're taking notes... The first point is pushing through the pain. So a few years ago, I, um, for you guys that don't know, I'm an avid fisherman. And um, <laughs> I think everybody knows. Um, a few years ago, I, I got tennis elbow in my right arm. 
And there was a trip that was planned to go for a 10-day trip to Mozambique. And it was a fly fishing trip. So the arm was going to work all day. And um, I went to the doctor. I got injections. I got a special strap to put around the arm because there's, there's not much you can do about a tennis elbow. And I had to make a choice. Am I going to go on the trip or am I going to stay home? And uh, I decided to go. So I had this strap around my arm for 10 days. And it was an amazing trip. But I had pain right through the trip. But by the time the trip was over and we came back, the pain was gone. So I don't know what changed or what happened or if it was because I, I pushed through the pain that I got to the other side, but it's, it's gone and it's never been there again. So I'm pretty sure if you talk to a doctor, that's not the way to treat the pain. But the end result was I had to push through the pain to get to the other side and it, it wasn't pleasant, but I got to the other side and I could move on. So together with this, I, there's a story, and I, it may have been shared on the pulpit before, I don't know, but there's a story, and I, I also don't know how true this is, but it's, it's fitting to what I want to share this morning. It's about 20 soldiers that was, they got caught during a, a war, and they ended up in a concentration camp. And obviously, they were all positive when they arrived there, and they were all hoping that Obviously, they'll, they'll be released because it's, it's war and they'll trade soldiers for soldiers. And so they were all hopeful at the beginning that they were going to get out quite quickly. Sorry. So some of the guys said, you know what? On weekends, people get released. So the first weekend came. And um, after the first weekend, nobody was released. And the guy thought, okay, well... It's only been a few days, so maybe, maybe next weekend somebody will be released. The next weekend came, and nobody was released. And this went on and on, and eventually it was end of the month, and they thought, okay, well, maybe at the end of the month there'll be a trade and we can move on. It didn't come. And then they were holding on for, for certain celebrations, and, and Christmas came, and they thought, okay, well, maybe, maybe Christmas time we... Somebody's going to get released. End of eight years, only one soldier survived. All the others perished while they were in prison. And when they released this one soldier, they asked him, but what was your secret? How did you pull through the eight years to get to the end? And he said, after two weeks, I gave up hope. And now you may think, why would you give up hope? Surely it's the person that, that had hope that would make it to the end because he's hoping that he would make it. And he said that after two weeks, he realized that he may die there. He may never see his family again. He may never see his kids again. But he made peace with where he was going. And he realized that, you know what, if this is my fate, this has been ordained by God. And he made peace with being there. And he lived his life. And, and once again this morning, um, we shared about prison. I think when Donnie shared about uh, uh, Paul being in, oh, it wasn't Paul. Paul, Paul and Silas being in prison. And, and that spoke into this word again this morning. Um, they worshipped while they were in prison. They made peace with the fact that that is where they are right now. 
It's not where they want to be, but they were in the storm and they were worshiping while they were in the storm. So the, the moral of the story is he had to make peace with where he was. It's not where he wanted to be. He was in pain and he, he was in prison. Um, but he had to make peace so that he could move on. And that brings us to the second point. Not all pain can be dealt with in the same way. So as we get older, we, we get hurt more easily. And um, I had just turned 40, and I got my, my shoulder was hurting me. And I don't know, there was no specific accident or fall or incident that happened. I just started getting this pain in my left shoulder. And uh, I have experience in this field. Last time I put a strap around my arm and I was okay. So why would I go and get this treated? I could just carry on and push through. Maybe if I push through the pain this time, it'll, it'll all get better. And uh, eventually I ended up at the doctor for x-rays and I said, okay, well, while I'm here, let's just take an x-ray of my shoulder. So they took an x-ray of the shoulder and I had calcification in my rotator cuff. And um, the doctor said, you need an operation. I said, nah, I've never had an operation in my life. I'm not going to start now. So uh, we'll put that on hold. And that's exactly what I did. For 18 months, it just got worse and worse and worse. I took some injections. I took some medication. But it wasn't getting better. And I thought, okay, I'll push through the pain. I even, I did aggressive exercise with my shoulder, hoping that, okay, maybe this is going to fix it. It didn't work. So eventually, I had to go for an operation. And it wasn't a big operation. It was just a keel operation, went in the morning, came out in the afternoon. And there was obviously some pain afterwards. But very quickly after that, I could move on. Because I had dealt with the pain. I had dealt with what the issue was at that time. So sometimes, yes, you have to push through the pain. But if you don't deal with what is causing the pain, you can't move on. And that's, that's what I had to do. I had to deal with that pain. And, and I made some bad decisions during that period. And I want to quote Andy Stanley. He said, um, we are the mastermind of all our bad decisions. And we can't blame other people for that. And it is so true. We were involved in each and every decision that we ever took, good or bad. You are the mastermind behind every decision that you make. And sometimes you make good ones, and sometimes you make bad ones. But the biggest thing is you need to be able to forgive yourself when you make a bad decision. Bad things are going to happen, and you are going to have pain. And normally it is as a result of your own, your own doing. But you have to deal with what is in front of you before you can move on. So, so I've gone off my notes. Hold on. <laughs> uh, okay, we're going to move on. So... Genesis 41, verse 46. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. 
So if I want to take us back quickly, Joseph was 17 years old when he had the dream about his life. He had a, a prophecy um, that he is going to be in a leadership position. And he is now 30 years old. So he has, it's been 20 years since he had his original dream. And we know what happened. He got into slavery, he was accused of rape, ended up in prison. And while he was in prison, he, he met a baker and a cupbearer. And they had a dream, and he revealed to them what the dream means. And he said to them, please remember me when you are out. And once again, they forgot about him. But Pharaoh had a dream, and nobody could explain this dream to him. Nobody could, could tell him what it means. And eventually the cupbearer remembered that, ah, oh, there was a guy in prison, Joseph. We should get him out, and maybe he can explain this dream to Pharaoh. So Pharaoh called him out. He revealed the dream to him, and I think we all know the story, but... Basically, there was going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. So that is when Joseph entered into um, the service of Pharaoh. And he's about 37 years old, 20 years later. And he's, his father um, eventually heard that there is... Um, so the seven years had passed. It's now in the famine period. So his father heard that ah, there is food in Egypt. So he sent uh, Joseph's brothers to, to go and buy some food. And Joseph realized immediately these were his brothers. They did not recognize him at the time, but he, he recognized them. And now he's standing there at a crossroads because he could be the 17-year-old Joseph that had the dream and with arrogance, go and say to them, well, bow down before me before I give you some food. Or he could have matured through the pain that he went through to get to where he was, where he could see an opportunity to help his family. And that's exactly what he did. So the, the brothers came and they, they managed to buy food. And I'm not going to go into too much detail, but what I want to bring from that is our third point is sometimes the scars remain. So Genesis 42, verse 22, Reuben replied, Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must, now we must give account for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. He then turned away from them and began to weep. But then came back and spoke to them again. He said, Simeon, uh, he had taken Simeon away from them and, and bound before their eyes. So why would Joseph weep now? He had gone through everything that he did. He was in prison. He's out of prison. He's now serving Pharaoh. He's, he's second only to Pharaoh in the land. So why would he weep now? But sometimes, even if we deal with a pain, the scars will remain. And it serves as a reminder for us. Even when, when Jesus got crucified and he got resurrected from the, from the dead, 
he still had the scars where he was pierced in his hands. And, and why is that? I mean, Jesus could heal himself completely. He healed so many people. Why did he not heal himself completely at that point? And when I was praying about it, I, I felt it, it was twofold. One was obviously when he revealed himself to the disciples, there were people that were doubting. And when he encountered Thomas for the first time face to face, he said to him, come put your fingers in the holes so that you can believe. So it was, a, it was to prove to Thomas that he is Jesus. But the scars remain. It wasn't, it wasn't as painful anymore because the event had passed. But the scars remained. And sometimes what we go through leaves scars in our lives. And it's to remind us that our father took us through the storm and we got to the other side. So the scars remain. And that brings us to my final point this morning. Um, God uses our pain for the good of others. Genesis 45. When Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because I was, I was to save lives and God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there had been famine in the land. And the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and save your lives by, the great, by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire house and ruler of all Egypt. So Joseph realized that his brothers was only the tool that God used to start the process. But it was actually God that allowed him to go through the process to get to the destination where he was in Egypt, where, as the scripture says, he was in a position to save lives. And he could save the lives of his own family as well. So he had to go through all of that. But he realized that it was not his brothers. And that was the amazing thing. He said, mm, and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me. And sometimes we do that. We make these decisions and it's a bad decision. And we cannot get past that point. We cannot forgive ourselves for, for the decision that we've made. And we can't push through. But Joseph realized through his maturity, having gone through all of that, that it was God that sent him. It was God that, that put him into that situation so that he could go beyond and he could be a provider for, for his family as well. So the hurt that we go through shapes us and it helps us to become the people that we are. And this morning, I was thinking while we were sitting there, and, and once again, fire and burning came up. It reminded me of a program. I don't know who's ever watched Forged in Fire. 
And, and that is such an amazing program. I don't, I don't follow it often, but I've, for the guys that don't know, people get given a metal object, and it's anything from, uh, I don't know, a ball bearing to a piece of steel or a blade or something, and they have to create a knife from that. And to do that, they have to heat up that material up to a point where it's, it's almost melting. And then they have to beat that material into a shape so that they can make something from it. And it's, it's quite a process where they have to reheat and then heat, hit this piece of metal into a shape until finally they have something that resembles what they had in mind before they started. And, and that's how I feel Jesus is with us. He, he has to shape us into what he wants us to be. He's already got a plan for us. But we have to go through this process to get to what he wants us to be so that we can be a savior to others. But while I was sitting there and thinking about this, I thought about sometimes the knives break. And it, it goes through a process, and I don't quote me on this, I don't know the exact process, but when they, when they do the final process and they anneal the, the, the blade to harden it, you can overdo it. And I just felt that that is, that is the breaking point where we cannot forgive ourselves for things that have happened, even if it wasn't our, our own decision. We were just part of it. Um, we have to be able to forgive ourselves to strengthen what we are, to become what we should be. So I want to close with, with one last scripture, and I'm going to read it out of two different versions. So I actually don't know what version it is, and I'm pretty sure NIV is going to be up on the board, and I'm going to read that second. So the first scripture, well, the scripture is Philippians 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. And then the NIV version says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every, in every thing, present your request to God. And we sang it this morning. The last song we sang was about anxiety. Well, it wasn't about anxiety, but it came up. And it said that we need to know that there's power in the name of Jesus. And he will take away our anxiety. And that was, I want to say that was the whole gist of this morning, is we get anxious about things, and we can't move on because we are worried and we are anxious about these things. The last time I stood here, two weeks ago, that morning... I normally don't get anxious to come and talk in front of people, but I was, I was so anxious that things will go wrong and I'll forget and I'll do what I did this morning and go off my notes. And I was anxious until I got up here. But while I was sitting there, I prayed about it. And Tim prayed about it before we came in. And I wasn't anxious at all because I knew this is not my message. This is from the Lord. And... That song was so fitting this morning that whatever 
we are anxious about, we must take to the Lord. And we should not be anxious about it. We should move beyond that. Um, I wasn't going to share this, but so a few weeks ago, I'm, I'm busy renovating a house. And um, we had the unfortunate situation where um, we paid a deposit, the, the contract that never started. And for a few weeks, um, it was every time the phone rang, I thought, okay, maybe it's him. Maybe we're going to start today. Maybe that's the delivery guy. Material's going to arrive on site. And I was holding on to hope so that, okay, maybe, maybe now there's still hope. Maybe, maybe now. But it was only when I made the decision that, you know what, there's no more hope. I have to move on that I've got peace. And, and that, for me, is the thing this morning. We go through a storm, but until we make peace with where we are in that storm, will we not be able to see the light and move beyond that? I want to pray for us as I close this morning. Father, we don't always understand the situation that we are in. We don't always know why what is happening to us is happening. And sometimes we battle to see the light. We battle to move beyond ourselves. And we can only see what is immediately in front of us, Father. Father, we forget our Father. And your scripture says we must bring everything to you and remind you of them. And we must leave them with you, Father. Father, I pray this morning over each and every person in this congregation that we will know we have nothing to be anxious for because we have you as our Father. And we thank you for everything that you have done, Father. And when we are in pain and when we are in a situation, we know you are molding us to become a better person for you so that we can be a light for others and we can shine and be something that can save lives in every situation. Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.